Download the Arirang Radio application. Type in A-R-I-R-A-N-G. Arirang Radio on your app store. Download it and listen to Arirang Radio. 88.7 in Jeju City. 88.1 in Seogipo City. 101.9 in the Daejeon area. Channel 144 on Sirius XM in the U.S. Arirang Radio. Tune in, Arirang Radio. A team of delegation from the International Criminal Court headed by President Judge Pyotr Tovmansky visited Korea this week as a court seeks to enhance cooperation with Asia-Pacific nations in the global legal landscape. And marking this visit, we've invited a very special guest for today's segment. Spokesperson of the ICC, Dr. Fadi L. Abdallah, now joins us to give us some insights into the court's pivotal role, as well as the challenges it faces in its pursuit of global justice. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Abdallah. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning to you. For our listeners who may be unfamiliar with the ICC, could we begin with a general introduction? What is the ICC's main mission, its jurisdiction, and the types of crimes it prosecutes? Sure. The ICC uh, is an acronym for the International Criminal Court. And it is a court that is based uh, in the Netherlands, but it is created by an international treaty. So it's not part of the United Nations. We have an agreement to cooperate with the United Nations, but we are separate. And this international treaty is, uh, has currently been ratified by 124 states uh, around the globe. So that's more than two-thirds of the states, and we hope one day we will reach uh, universality when all the states will understand the importance of being together in fighting the impunity and in bringing more justice to the victims. The ICC has jurisdiction over certain types of uh, crimes, war crimes, crimes against humanity, and genocide, hmm. and under specific conditions, the crime of aggression uh, as well. And its jurisdiction, in principle, is based on the ratification of the states. So when a state ratifies the Rome Statute, that means that the state has given the ICC jurisdiction over these types of crimes if they are committed on its territories, hmm by anyone or by its citizens anywhere in the world. I'm speaking here about the war crimes, crimes against humanity, and genocide. For the crime of aggression, it has a different uh, legal framework. And there is only one exception um, for that, which is that we can have referrals by the Security Council, which can expand the ICC jurisdiction beyond this general rule based on the state's acceptance uh, of its jurisdiction Uh, or by ratifying uh, the Rome Statute. So uh, these are the limits of the jurisdiction of uh, the court, which creates sometimes situations where uh, we know there may be um, serious crimes happening, but if they are happening on the territories of a state that is not party, and by citizens of states that are not parties to the Rome Statute, then the IC would not have jurisdiction unless through a referral by the Security Council. So this is the basis of the jurisdiction and the limits of it uh, at the same time. 
I just want to remind our listeners, uh, just for background purposes, uh, that Rome statue dates back to the late 90s, it entered into force in 2002, and that could be largely seen as the beginning of the ICC. Uh, since then, uh, Dr. Abdullah, what would you pick as some of the ICC's key achievements since that established with the Rome statute and the treaty that founded the International Tribunal? Well, indeed, thank you for bringing it. We are celebrating the 25th anniversary of mm. the creation of, of the uh, um, of the uh, agreement on the Rome Statute. Mm. Um, the court itself um, started being created in 2002 when the international city entered into force, uh, indeed. Since then, there has been uh, a lot of developments, uh, I would say, at uh, the ICC in addition to the creation of the court, but there was especially some important uh, cases and some important jurisprudence that has been uh, established uh, related to that. I would mention uh, briefly the um, the jurisprudence about the no immunity, including for heads of states, uh, which is uh, in the line of the development of international uh, law, but it has been clearly indicated in the ICC Rome Statute and in the decisions of the judges. And there has been arrest warrants that were uh, based on that, that has been issued and delivered by the ICC judges hmm. for heads of states, uh, for example, in the cases of uh, uh, former uh, head of Libya, uh, Mr. Gaddafi, and uh, for uh, the sitting head of uh, Russia, um, Mr. Putin, and for the former president of Sudan, hmm. Mr. al-Bashir. So this are uh, important decisions on the legal uh, basis, but also for a lot of people, uh, it shows that the ICC and the judges are determined to do uh, their jobs based on the evidence that are brought by the ICC prosecutor. Mm -hmm. And they are not taking their decisions uh, based on political considerations or uh, fears. In addition to that, there has been a lot of uh, important cases and trials uh, at the ICC uh, that have a meaning that would go even beyond the case itself. So, for example, the first case that has been judged by uh, the ICC and uh, a person was convicted was the case against Mr. Lubanga from the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and it was related to the use of uh, child soldiers uh, in, in um, hostilities. And the message went beyond the case itself, which was one militia in eastern Congo, because other militias in Congo and in other countries as well started releasing uh, the children that they had enrolled mm. um, because they were afraid that they also can be subject to the jurisdiction um, of the court. So the message can go beyond one uh, case. Mm. Um, similar things were related to the destruction of cultural heritage with the emphasis on, that we, on the issue of uh, criminality of sexual um, offenses uh, in the context of armed conflicts, um, and so on. So these are a uh, few elements uh, about what the, the ICC has done on the substance. We have 17 investigations in four different continents mm. and had uh, issued uh, more than 40 um, arrest warrants, mm. including, as I mentioned, for sitting head of states and other uh, officials. And this is uh, work that we are uh, continuing to do with the support of uh, of the states that are parties to the uh, ICC Rome Statute. Mm. And in only two of these investigations, it was based on the Security Council referral, so only with regard to Libya and Sudan, mm. uh, but 
All the others are based on the ratification of the state parties. And we'll eventually want to cover uh, the topic of Palestine and war in Ukraine in just a moment. But before we get there, uh, uh, could you care to elaborate on a joint seminar that took place in Seoul? The ICC and the South Korean government uh, jointly hosted this event, a high-level seminar this week. It aimed to foster a deeper understanding of the ICC and, of course, to strengthen ties between the court and the Asia-Pacific nation specifically. Can you walk us through some of the highlights? Uh, sure. The seminar in Korea is a continuation of uh, the approach of the ICC of holding regional conferences uh, in different areas because we do believe that there is a need for um, a better understanding of how the court functions, uh, hopefully to raise awareness and uh, to convince more states to ratify uh, the Rome Statute to reach this objective of mm-hmm. universality that I mentioned in the beginning. Uh, also, uh, this direct contact on the regional level can help strengthening the cooperation with the different states that are already parties to the ICC uh, Rome Statute. And also, uh, we want to emphasize that we are an international uh, court, including in the recruitment of our uh, staff members. So we want also to raise awareness so that the uh, young uh, and not so young uh, professionals can find that this is a possible um, path for their careers as Mm -hmm. well and uh, for us to benefit from the talents and skills and knowledge of people from different uh, areas of the world. Now, Asia-Pacific specifically is um, the least represented um, group of states' parties uh, to the Rome Statute. We have only 19 states from Mm -hmm. Asia-Pacific um, while we have, uh, I think, all of Europe, all of uh, Latin America, and 34 states from the African continent, for example. Mm-hmm. So there is uh, a need to get uh, closer, to get in contact, and to explain uh, better what we are working and engage uh, directly in, in the dialogue with the states of uh, this region. Mm-hmm. And we are very uh, thankful and grateful for the great efforts uh, that South Korea is Uh, um, deploying to support the ICC, uh, including with uh, hosting this uh, seminar and including with um, the fact that we had amazing um, talents from from here. We had the former ICC president, we had the former um, president of the Assembly of States Parties, Mm. Uh, we have currently a Korean judge at the ICC and many colleagues uh, from here and they are. Uh, it's really uh, important that um, hopefully we can build on on uh, this uh, to continue working together in the future. Mm. Uh, Dr. Abdullah, due to constraint of time, I just want to jump into a few of the cases that the ICC is currently overseeing. Now, during a Q&A session at that mm-hmm. seminar, you mentioned that the ICC has jurisdiction in Palestinian territories and the court launched an investigation in 2021 to look into alleged war crimes in Palestine. But Israel is not a member of the ICC and it has previously rejected the court's jurisdiction and Palestine is not a sovereign state. So could you clarify how the ICC would approach the allegations against Israel? Thank you for the question. It's uh, it's an occasion to uh, emphasize that as the ICC, we do not have cases against the states or Mm. governments Mm. or uh, um, political parties. We have cases against individuals mm. because it's always about the individual criminal responsibility 
that we need to, to, to check uh, at the international level. So the Prime so, Minister uh, of Israel, for example. Any any state. Mm. Yeah, yes, but it's not against a state. It may be against individuals. Okay. Only. Now, with regard to the uh, Palestinian issue, Palestine uh, has been um, given the status of an observer state at the United Nations in 2015, if I'm not mistaken. And based on that, uh, or in 2014, and based on that, uh, Palestine ratified the Rome Statute, deposited the instrument of ratification uh, at the UN, and uh, has been admitted as um, a state party to the ICC uh, Rome Statute, and later on referred the situation on its territories to uh, the ICC prosecutor to open an investigation. So uh, by ratifying the Rome Statute, Palestine, like any other uh, state, has given the ICC jurisdiction over crimes that may be committed by its citizens anywhere in the world, including on the territories of state non-parties like Israel, Mm. but also has given the ICC jurisdiction over crimes that may have been committed on its territories by anyone, including by citizens of states, non-parties. This is exactly the same rule applicable to all the states parties at uh, the ICC. So uh, the fact that uh, one party to a conflict is not party to their own statute does not prevent the ICC from having jurisdiction for the crimes committed on the territories of the state mm. that is a party or by uh, its citizens. And as I mentioned, it's the same uh, logic, so that's why uh, we have opened um, investigation in relation to Ukraine uh, or to other uh, places as well. Which brings us to our next question. The ICC did, in fact, issue an arrest warrant for Russian President Vladimir Putin in March. That's for the war crime of illegally deporting hundreds of children from Ukraine to Russia without any uh, agreement or a basis for it. What significance does the arrest warrant hold? And what is your analysis of its effects so far? And how does the ICC plan to handle Putin's war crimes moving forward? As I just uh, mentioned, it's a similar situation. Mm. Ukraine technically is not a state party, but it's a state that has accepted the ICC right, jurisdiction, right. which means more or less the same thing. But based on that, the ICC uh, has been able to open an investigation about the crimes that may be committed on the territories of Ukraine, even if it is by nationals of states that are not parties like uh, Russia. And based on that, Uh, The prosecutor opened an investigation and an arrest warrant has been delivered by the judges against Mr. Putin and uh, Madame uh, Bilova. Mm -hmm. And um, the arrest warrants are an important step, but they they don't undermine the presumption of innocence. So for the ICC, legally speaking, persons under arrest warrants are still presumed innocent Mm -hmm. and they benefit of uh, the rest of the defense um, unless and uh, after a trial, they have been convicted and judges uh, are convinced beyond any reasonable doubt of mm-hmm. everything. An arrest warrant has um, a legal implications, uh, which is that the states that are parties to the Rome Statute have the obligation to implement them, mm-hmm. uh, meaning to arrest the uh, individual if uh, he or she are on the territories of the states that are parties, and then to surrender them uh, to the ICC. Of course, the ICC itself does not have a military power. We are not going to Mm. attack uh, uh, anyone, and we are not calling for uh, this type of things, but only calling for the cooperation with the ICC in case uh, certain suspects are traveling to uh, the states that are parties 
to the Rome Statute. For the states that are not parties to the Rome Statute, uh, they can cooperate on a voluntary basis uh, if they want uh, mm. so. Um, the practical implications, we have already seen that the uh, travels and uh, visits of uh, the uh, suspects are much more uh, limited. Mm-hmm. Um, they cannot legally travel to the states that are parties to the Rome Statute. And uh, this is uh, already something that is important um, on the level of the uh, dim- diplomatic um, world and uh, its implications. Mm-hmm. The second and important element about the arrest warrants is that they are not subject to status of limitations. They can remain valid for uh, life if necessary and unless the judges decide to withdraw them based on the legal proceedings. So uh, that means that if someone is currently protected because of his or her position, that does not give them immunity um, from the court and does not allow for impunity. And when the political circumstances might change, uh, then uh, the arrest ones will still be um, valid. Mm-hmm. Uh, third point is the investigations are still ongoing and uh, the prosecutor is working on collecting evidence uh, in an impartial and independent uh, way. He is looking at uh, the conflict and analyzing which crimes may be the most serious in this context. Mm-hmm. And also in accordance with an important principle for the ICC, which is the principle of complementarity, meaning that the court is a court of a last resort that can intervene only if on the national level there is no capacity or no intention to conduct uh, genuine um, investigations. Mm. Uh, So investigation is still um, going forward and there may be other cases in the future. Uh, Dr. Abdullah, what are some of the ICC's biggest limits and challenges in enforcing its decisions, ensuring cooperation from member as well as the non-member states? For the non-member states, they don't have a legal obligation to cooperate. They can cooperate on a voluntary basis, and some of them have done that uh, in the past, and we hope that that would be uh, more often the case and would prepare uh, the ground for uh, closer cooperation and hopefully for ratification uh, in the future. I think for the challenges, one of the uh, biggest challenges is that the court is not always well Um, understood. Uh, Mm -hmm. Its legal framework can be complicated and um, people can sometimes have the impression uh, that it is focusing on one thing rather than the other. And a lot of places they have the question of why are you opening investigation here and not there, uh, etc. And there are legal reasons for that. Um, The limits of the jurisdiction Mm -hmm. and uh, the role of security council. So there is a need for um, uh, more efforts to raise awareness, to um, strengthen the understanding of the ICC and answer uh, this perception of uh, not being uh, treating equally the different conflicts mm. uh, because of legal uh, reasons, as I mentioned, because jurisdiction is based on the ratification of the states and not all states have ratified uh, the Rome Statute. But this brings me to the um, uh, other point, which is that uh, ultimately we hope that we will be able to convince all the states Mm. through our independent and professional work that it is important uh, for them to join the growing community of states that are parties to the Rome Statute in this global fight against impunity Mm. and to participate to the future of the international 
criminal uh, law. The ICC is a permanent court, and um, it has a central role in the international criminal law and its developments, and it would be much better that they have a say from within the system and help shaping it and making their views and their voices heard within this system. Mm. So I think this is an important challenge is to be able to raise the awareness and also uh, get the understanding and the support of more states and also working uh, more closely on the issues of the cooperation, not only for the implementation of the arrest warrants, but there are a lot of other areas of cooperation uh, that sometimes can be technical, can be difficult, and we need to work closely with the states, our parties, to create the the policies and the proceedings uh, to put them in place. Uh, Dr. Abdo, you're actually right to uh, point out that the legal framework is hard to understand for regular listeners, but certainly our talk today helped a great deal. We appreciate your insights. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. We spoke to Dr. Fadi Al-Abdallah this morning. He's the spokesperson of the International Criminal Court, the ICC. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.